we can no longer with the, make the excuse, well, I'm just a sinner, and so I can do whatever I want. Oh, no, because now my heart belongs to another. Pierce my ear, remember from Exodus 21, and we are the Lord's forever, and he makes our heart new. Sin shall not have dominion over you, but then the next phrase, the second half of verse 14, says something astounding, for you are not under law, but under that statement needs its defense, and that's what Romans 7 is all about, our passage today. And he's unpacking now for us what it means that we are not under law, but under grace. And chapter 7 chapter and chapter 8 will unpack all of this for us. You who know the law, we've been under the law for a long time that has come to an end with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the law cannot condemn us anymore. Now, surely that spoke about the Jewish mosaic administration of the one covenant of grace. But as we learned in chapter 2, we are all Jews and Gentiles under the law. That is, every person is a legalist. Did you know that? In your heart of hearts, you are a legalist. Ray Ortland puts it like this. Every human being on the face of the earth is legalistic and hair-splitting and trigger-happy because they are judgmental to the core. Every, every time, have you ever disapproved of someone else? Have you ever judged someone else? What were you judging them by? There was a law or a standard inside your heart it was your standard of righteousness. And, and if somebody didn't live up to it, you were critical of them. You looked down on them. You might have even seen them with contempt. Every heart is that way. Jack Miller used to have a ministry in prisons, and he would say that the most legalistic, judgmental people he knew were murderers in prison. <laughs> These guys... They were, they were just critical of people on the outside, critical of the warden, critical of the guards, critical of their wives, because they had the law inside their hearts in some measure. And so this law operates. We know the law. And we use it either to get God off our backs to justify ourselves and feel great about ourselves, or we use it to buy, to bargain with God and to plead with God to look at us so that we could be good enough to get to heaven. Paul says, no more of that for the Christian. See, Jesus, Jesus was particularly distressed by people who judged others and had contempt for others. You, there's a verse in Luke 18, verse 10. I was just looking at it. Luke 18, verse 10. And it says that Jesus spoke to people, listen carefully, who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. And that's how the law functions in people's lives. 
living under the law is like having a relentlessly mean, critical husband or wife whose special gifting is to show you where you're wrong and to point out everything that you've fallen short in and that you're just not quite good enough, at least not as good as they are, and it's hard to live with that kind of husband or wife. You who know the law. Let me tell you, point number two, point number two, enjoy a better husband. And just as last week in chapter six, Paul says there's a good slavery, a better slavery. Here, now he changes the metaphor and he says, there is a happy new marriage for you. And what a guy he is. Mr. Law, he's died. So we can be married to Mr. Grace. Affirming, life-giving, merciful. That you, verse says so that you may belong to another. This isn't a passage about divorce. Some people want to use this passage to explain who's allowed to marry and remarry. Divorce isn't in this passage. It's not speaking to it. Uh, this is to explain to us that no longer are we to live under the law. That's the point of this analogy. And remember that the woman I described at the beginning of this sermon, whose critical husband had died, she married a wonderful man. Now, two things, one very quickly. One is I happened to notice that other women around her were jealous. I hope that's none, nobody here. And just remember, there is a theme in the book of Romans. Paul says in Romans 11, I'm doing this ministry to make the Jews jealous. Those of us who live under grace. Okay, so that's going on. And, and here he's, it's, it's like what happened with that woman. Even back in Deuteronomy, God prophesied he would make the Jews jealous of Gentiles who he has sh showered his love on. But, but really, let's move, what is the point right here? It's not just that we are so attracted that we become jealous. But what happens is that Mr. Grace, this new husband, leads us into holiness. And leads us to serve Jesus Christ, to serve God, to bear fruit for God. And the husband is the one who helps us to do it. How does he do it? Well, look at... in. Uh, in verse 4, and we see that it comes, we have died to the law through the body of Christ. That's his death. That's his crucifixion, you see. Through the body of Christ, that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead. And once again, one more time, why do Martin and John always talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus? Why do, why do we always talk about it? Because it is the core it is the ground of the Christian life. Relationship with Jesus in his death, not just in his death, but relationship with Jesus in his resurrection is what brings spark and sparkle, happiness and peace into our lives. Do you know him? Do you know the one who died? Do you know the one who rose from the dead? He's the best husband. He's the best friend 
the best companion that anyone could ever have. Paul actually unpacks it in Ephesians 5. Oh, you come to a wedding, you go to a wedding, four out of five weddings, they read from Ephesians chapter 5. And it's so interesting. If you know this passage, and if you ask me to do your wedding, I might choose a different passage just because it's done so much. But, but I do love this passage of the Bible, not so much for how it describes earthly marriage, but do you know what this passage in Ephesians 5 that's there in your outline unpacks for us? It explains what it's like to be married to another, to a better one, to Jesus Christ. And in fact, he says um, in verse 32 at the end of the passage, this mystery is profound, and I am saying it refers to Christ and the church. And so back to the beginning in verse 25, husbands, love your wives, how? Men, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What has this new bridegroom done for you? I'll tell you what he did for you. He sacrificed. Husbandly love is sacrificial, but Jesus' love is total self-giving. There on the cross, laying down his life for you and for me. What love is this? That puts a crown of thorns on his head and bleeds and weeps with sorrow over your sins and over the wrath of God that falls. Christ loved you and gave himself for you. And then, you know what he does? He makes her holy. He sanctifies her, cleaning her up by the washing of water. And what is that? That's the word of God. It's the Bible. It's the application of God's truth to the life of his people. Jesus is sanctifying you. He's making you holy. He's making you that person you were designed to be. You don't need Tony Robbins. You don't need Norman Vincent Peale. You don't need uh, just the power of positive thinking. You need Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ to make you into the person he wants you to be. He's going to wash you and clean you up from the inside out. And you know when he's going to do it? Ladies, he's going to do it as much as your husband feeds himself. That's what he says in this passage. He says, just as the husband loves his own body, so he nourishes himself, so Christ continuously, without fail. Does your husband, lady, does your husband eat once a week? Does he eat once a day? We eat through the day, constantly. Does your husband go to the gym once a year? Maybe. How much do men love their own bodies? How much do men love their... Men love their own bodies. And it's, he says, if you don't understand all this theological stuff about how sacrificial love and all that, get it through your head. Jesus Christ loves you as much as a man loves his own body, his own pleasure, his own food. That's how much Jesus loves you. It is sacrificial. It is constructive and sanctifying. It is constant, without fail. You are married to another. What good news this is. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And so we move to point number three. He unpacks the whole matter for us in verses five and six. And we live differently because we're married to this better husband. And, and what he says here is he says, don't live in the flesh with your sinful passions that were just aroused by the law. Instead, you who were released from the law serve in the new way of the Spirit. Bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Living in the flesh, we saw earlier in this service, is very ugly, right? Drunkenness, sexual immorality, selfishness, divisive, causing fights, arguments, nastiness. That's the flesh. You young people, you got to learn to see yourself when you're living according to the flesh and call it for what it is. We need the new husband to wash us with the water of the word so that we are not living according to the flesh. Here, now he introduces what we will study the next couple of months together. He introduces life in the Spirit. Life walking in the Spirit. United to Jesus Christ. Oh, how good that life is. Married to this better husband. Yeah. We, it's not just the teenagers here who need to pay attention to this. Look, look at the way he unpacks this in verse 5. Mm, this is... This is a stunning, comprehensive statement. He says, the flesh, uh, there's flesh, causes sin, excited by the law that leads to death. Boy, what a quartet of words right there. If you underlined each one of them in there, they're just jammed in there together. But God has sent the Holy Spirit. causes you to bear fruit for God, that you will glorify God. And so today, today I want you to understand that, that, that the Holy Spirit that's now living in you is not like Moses, the lawgiver, who's sort of the umpire behind the plate. You ever seen the umpire behind the plate? He's watching strike one. He's watching strike two. He's watching strike three, and you're out. Ray Ortland says he's not like an umpire in a baseball game. But instead, he is bringing the life of Jesus Christ into you and giving you a new heart. The Jewish people under the law should have known this because Ezekiel prophesied it. Ezekiel told them. Look at the passage, Ezekiel 36. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Here it is, flesh, meaning a new living heart that's not a stone. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and care careful to obey my rules. And you will dwell in the land I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people and I will be In order that we should bring forth fruit for God. That's the purpose. You marry this guy, Jesus Christ, and he transforms your life. Can you say that today? I hope you can. I hope 
you're at that place in your life and knowing all of you here, I, I trust that you've been at that place where you say, Jesus, you are my Savior. Jesus, you are my lover. Jesus, you are the one who's made me new. And I want to honor you. You see, and so you honor him. You bear fruit for God in school, at work, in your neighborhood. People begin to notice you. I hope they get jealous. I hope they get jealous. And they want what you have. They want who you have. Jesus Christ. Let's offer ourselves to him. Let's focus, fixate our lives on him. Let's surrender our lives to him. Let's pray. Bow your heads with our Heavenly Father, I know right now that I will never bring my sins or my flesh under control by rules and regulations, by law, by exhortation, by nagging myself, and I know I sure can't bring my wife's sins under control by nagging or regulating her. We need to be free from the law. And we need to be married to Jesus. We need to live with the joy my friend had in her new marriage to a better husband. And so we say, Lord Jesus, give us more of yourself every day. More of Jesus. As we live Lord, could we tell you that we love you as a wife would say to her husband, I love you. For surely you, Jesus, the great bridegroom, have loved us with that sacrificial, constructive, sanctifying, constant love that will never break or go away. Oh, the law would condemn me. But Jesus, you forgive me put a new spirit within me. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father. Fill us with your spirit every day, we pray. And give us more of yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.